Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm oh, so yeah? excited. I don't want my life to be... How are you going to get around this word? Suck. You... <laughs> <laughs> Standards of practice is not okay with that? It's all 2019. Right. I think, right. I think, we're, I think right. you know, this, right. this is... I guess I'm so used to being around your kids... I can't even say I can't even say uh, idiot. Oh no, you can't say that. This That's is it. better. Suck is better than idiot. It is okay. Yeah, because because this is not an insult. All right. Well, then tell it. Go ahead. And, so and the name of the book again. I, I I wouldn't choose it, but it's a, but how to have your life not suck. Bianca Oltoff. Bianca Juarez Oltoff is our is our guest today, and uh, uh, basically she is outlining a mentorship guide for for young women, um, and and it, it, her 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 focus is on young women. But it really applies to men and women of all ages. I mean, we all need a mentor. We all need to get out of our own heads and find ways to improve our lives. And that's and that's really that's really what she guides us through. We go way off topic on this interview. I just want to say that ahead of time. Where do you I go? had a really good time talking to her, and we started talking about differences between generations and and all kinds of stuff. So you have to check out the book to stay focused. But in the interview, she's got a lot to say uh, about a lot of different factors that have to do with millennial women and and also. Uh, men and women in general of all ages, but, but really, so, really so, focusing on so that. So do millennial women have a problem with their life being uh, messed up more than boomers, or is it, or is it just specific to I mean, each it's, generation? It, I mean, so I would, in the, in the interview, we actually talk about this. So I think one of the things that happens uh, is that in previous generations, uh, big, giant, blue-chip corporations were where most people worked, and the ability to find a mentor was baked into that process. But uh-huh. now you have more women in the workforce than, than they did back then, and we don't really work for the same company for 30 years anymore. Yeah. So the idea of finding a mentor is a much more difficult thing. Uh, and then because of that, we kind of drift for a long time. And people try these little entrepreneurial hacks. And, and I think that's why a lot of these, you know, these really loudmouth entrepreneurs are so successful on, on, um, on social media now is because we really don't have a lot of direction and focus. And so she really does take it through how to find what your direction, your passion, and your focus should be. Uh, and she doesn't in a really she's a, she's a, she's really engaging and a really good uh, good person to talk to. And in fact, so good that I got up way off topic in the conversation. I think it's worth listening to. I think she's cool. got a lot to say. But yeah, there you go. Well, you know, I I, I love uh, I, I love the entrepreneur. I guys. know. But but you see, you're probably talking about Gary Vaynerchuk. That's right? part of who I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the archetype. If we were, he was yelling at me in my car the other day. Like, whoa, dude, what are you yelling and cursing at me too? If we were in Plato's cave right now, wow. you know, and he was projected on the wall, he is the solid from which all oh others are derived. But yes, there's a but there's a lot of people with that sort of no nonsense attitude, and I think people need it. I think really people do need it right now because yeah. I think they, you know, we've rejected a lot of previous social norms, and um, there are some parts of it that we kind of need, and one of them is direction and sort of bootstrap thinking uh and i and i think that's why the, why a lot of that stuff resonates but she really does take you through I'm looking forward to how to do it you know i, I mean and just speaking of going sideways a little bit um i really like what the, what some of these youtubers are doing where it's like there's a guy named evan carmichael i need to get in touch with him he's 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 a kid he's such a hard-working kid evan carmichael and there's a there's a group called the mulligan brothers and a couple of other guys i think lewis Howes may do this too but they take they go through they, they go through uh, youtube and they find people like jordan peterson or Bianca Olthoff, uh, mm-hmm. and and people who have who have like great little little speeches, or uh-huh. even, even Jocko Willink, the, the Navy SEAL guy. You and love that, him, I do. And that, I mean, in in um, I'm just about dosed out with him and Jordan Peterson, um, <laughs> but but uh, switching back to evangelists again. Uh, but anyway, he, he, they they take little snippets and, yeah. put them together and they put music under them. Yeah. 
and it's 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 like a little mentor thing. Vaynerchuk is in there too. I usually fast forward. Wait, for him. look, I mean, again, the thing is, we just we kind of need that kick in the yep. pants nowadays because yep. we I think yep. we would sort of idle into. We all have a tendency to idle through life, and our phones and d- technology has made it super easy to just mindlessly consume without actually doing anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think that's why stuff like this and and, and Bianca is a lot a lot uh, softer and nicer than than the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world. Um, also, I uh, full disclosure, ha, uh, had I been a girl, my name would have been Bianca. Oh, I, is that right? Yeah. Oh, is that mom said that? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That, that, well, not that that's an yeah, important thing. I don't think there's like... stop the conversation. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, just, I, I just thought I, it was an interesting I saw, you, I saw you in tights and a it, dress, and I was like, what Well, the by the way, as an actor, I have definitely worn all of those things simultaneously. Oh, hey, just real quickly, I want you to interview Austin Kleon. So Austin, I don't Kleon, know who that is. Austin Kleon is amazing. He, I got his name from Ryan Holiday, who you've mm. also interviewed. Now Austin Kleon wrote a book called um, "Steal Like an Artist." Oh yes, of and, course. And his whole thing is, and I'm, I'm going to land this plane here. His his whole thing is, you're not going to plagiarize. You shouldn't. Not going to plagiarize anybody. But if you find an artist that you like in in two or three different areas, just study them and do what they do. Right. And I've done that so many times, trying to get to you know uh, to to that place. And the, the thing that lights me up so much, and in fact, uh, the journal media psychology is talking about this, is that I will imagine whether it's Gladiator or or the guy William uh, Wallace in uh, Braveheart, in Braveheart, or or Stallone in Rocky and in First Blood. Yeah, I'll, I'll imagine myself as the underdog. And so, uh, uh, I found this article. I wanted you to comment on it. It's, it's from a journal media psychology. People who root for the underdog increase their own drive to succeed so seeing their struggle and willing them to win or get ahead makes us feel hopeful about our own lives oh okay well look first of all you 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 kind of glossed over that you like those movies like a normal person likes those movies like yeah i like first blood i like rocky i like uh but you know you get obsessed over those movies yeah by the way john the new john wick is out yeah right (laughs) so so you you know you casually say it like you're like a normal human being (laughs) But the reality is, like, you could watch Gladiator on a loop in the background all the time. The 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 com- I mean, you basically do. You could have you could have Rocky on right now in the studio and just kind of yeah. I've kind of cut, I've, I actually have a cut of. I cut out the love scenes. <laughs> I've cut out the love scenes. I cut out the talking. No talking. That's uh, what uh, that's what happens when you uh, when you learn video editing. You can you can yeah, make your own version of Rocky. Hack it out. Talk, take out those parts. But there is something really visceral to it, which is why how many people? I mean, I'll tell you that I do have a have some version of a Rocky song, whether it's yeah. training montage from yeah. Rocky Four, yeah. training montage from Rocky One, uh-huh. uh, gonna fly now from Rocky One on their that's workout a, mix. That, don't don't use that song. Okay, well whatever. Gonna fly now. No, that's a don't use that song. Okay. Uh, so that's your opinion, man. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we have Rocky songs on our on our workout, right. but because it it taps into something really visceral for us, right. which is that you're fighting against, an, you know, it's David and Goliath. You're fighting against the immovable object, and you are trying really hard to make yourself the unstoppable force. That is that is that is the most motivating thing ever. Uh, for those of you who don't have a camera in the studio right now, John is <laughs> struggling to get his phone. There he goes to play the Rocky theme song. Rocky, yeah. Rocky Super Ford. Jupiter. Right, yeah, Rocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the... Uh... Here, why don't you introduce uh, Bianca, and I'll, I'll, make, sure that I'm, <laughs> okay. I'll make sure I turn this off before she starts talking. Coming up, listen to our interview with Bianca Olthoff, author of the new book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. We talk about all things uh, motivational and entrepreneurial, and she is she is. Wait, phenomenal. wait, wait, wait. You're not listening to the music. Do the, do the lead in okay. while you're listening. All right. I, I mean, you know, embrace the music. Okay. Coming up. That's it. We have... Our interview with Bianca Oltoff, Bianca Juarez Oltoff, author 
of the new book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. She comes from humble beginnings to rise up and tell you how to be the entrepreneur and the master of your own life. But before Bianca, a quick word from our sponsor, Weeder Artery Health, because you can't fight the big fight if your arteries are not healthy. I didn't say do Christopher Walken. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, the pacing. Look, man, this is improv. Don't okay, judge. Man. Okay, man. Weeder Let's... Artery Health and Bianca Olthoff. Thank you guys so much. Hey, it's John Tesh here to tell you about Weeder Artery Health. If you're concerned about maintaining your heart health, I urge you to check out Weeder Artery Health. It's crucial to maintain healthy and flexible arteries, and that's where Weeder Artery Health comes in. It has clinically researched key ingredients like vitamin K2, which is hard to get enough of from food alone. Weeder Artery Health uses MenaQ7 as the source of vitamin K2. It's been clinically shown to help transport calcium to your bones. Weeder Artery Health also includes an ingredient called Aronia Berry, which improves circulation and helps maintain blood pressure by keeping arteries flexible. Proper blood flow is your lifeline, and I want you to live a long and healthy life. So grab a box of Weeder Artery Health. I get mine at Costco for the best value, and you can too. Or you can visit Weeder.com. Go to Costco.com or Weeder.com for Weeder Artery Health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Bianca Oltoff, Bianca Juarez Oltoff, author of the new book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. Thank you so much for being here. Gib, I just want to thank you for pronunciating <laughs> my name so perfectly. You are a secret Latino. You don't know uh, that, but oh, you probably are. Uh, I have, I have, sev- I have a handful of people in my life who call me White Tio. So I'm, oh, oh, uh, absolutely, is, brother. Yes, you just came up. <laughs> it is the, it is my biggest honorific. Uh, you have have written a book about something that I think is incredibly important, and so does a lot of mainstream publications. Uh, mentorship, particularly mentorship with young women. And right. uh, I mean, I, I have some intrinsic ideas as to why that's important. But why, why is mentorship, uh, particularly with women so important? You know what, this is coming out of a felt need. So when I was 25, uh, I was kind of experiencing this quarter life crisis. I was finishing up grad school, heartbroken over this relationship, a uh, three-year relationship that should have ended probably two years earlier, Yikes. but it was uh, broken and done. And I'd moved back home. My mom was diagnosed with two forms of cancer. One of them was brain cancer. And it just felt like everything in life sucked. And I was so afraid of admitting this and being vulnerable with my season in life. And what I'm realizing with my generation, the millennial generation, is the one thing that we want is the one thing that we're afraid of, and that's a sense of authentic community. Mm. And so I realized that uh, for me to get out of this pit and stop being stuck, I needed to look to people in my life that had gone before and had been successful, but I didn't know how to acquire a mentor. And so I'm, this is coming again out of like a felt need. And I realized how when people have approached me to mentor and some of like the successes and mm, if I could say so candidly, some failures in that mm. and also some successes and failures on my part, I'm passionate about connecting specifically women um, with other women who have gone before. And I think like the good marker, the easy indicator is look at someone's life. And if they're living a life that you can see yourself emulating, whether it is in academia, whether it's in raising children, whether it's in the boardroom, wherever it's at, are they living a life that you feel is imitatable? And if so, would you want to connect with them? And then I give some practicals on like the how to, because sometimes it might feel intuitive, it might feel basic, 
but you know, basic lays foundations. And so I love equipping women with language and tools and just a couple easy steps on how to find like that perfect fit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that not, uh, but I'm not a woman. I, I want to find that perfect fit. That sounds, that sounds amazing. <laughs> good. good. I'm so glad because here's the thing. I, I definitely feel like I, I love connecting with women, but um, because my husband and I of what we're doing in this season, um, I'm connecting with more young men as well. And so I do believe that this message is applicable. And so here's a couple things. Like if you see someone who is running ahead of you and you like the way that they do their life, it's weird if you're weird. So I kind of, you know, dovetail it into like dating. It's like asking someone out, is it going to be hard? Do you risk rejection? Yes. But do you want to do it? Absolutely. Mm. And so let's do it well. And if there is someone that's running ahead of you and you like the way that they're doing their life and you're around them in a way that feels natural, I would say put some really healthy boundaries around it. Don't be extra. Don't be thirsty. Don't be desperate. Just have an These honest words. conversation with them. <laughs> Have an honest conversation with them and say, hey, I really love the way that you're doing your life. Do you mind if we meet for coffee or maybe like a FaceTime? And if you leave it super, sh um, I'm going to say this not in um, in the term that maybe we understand, but when I say shallow, I'm talking about in a way that feels easy to enter. Mm -hmm. If you make an easy entry, it allows the, the mentor to right. receive the mentee in a way that feels safe. Right. Now, let's say that they agree. A couple, three things I always encourage people when someone meet, agrees to meet with them, show up on time. In fact, show up early. If you meet at a coffee shop, reserve a table so you're not wasting their time or your right. time to search for a good location. Right. Buy them their drink or lunch, depending on where you meet, and make sure you honor the exit time. So if they have 60 minutes, will you honor that? Now, if they want to stay longer, that's on them, but don't be selfish. Then after that first air quotes, date, follow up with an email. <laughs> don't call them, don't text them because that feels very personal. Unless right. you have a very personal relationship, email them, keep it professional and say, hey, I really enjoyed our time. Do you think that we'd be able to meet for the next month? Do you have like once, uh, if you can meet once a week for the next month or if you can meet once a month for the next three months? This way it allows the mentor to know that there's a hard end date and it doesn't right. feel like a long-term relationship or a long-term marriage that they feel locked into. Right. And it gives people like a great exit strategy. Right. And then if they agree to that, then again, here's three things I hold on to. Always show up on time. Always bring some sort of like thank you gift. If someone is giving you their time, you have to honor that. And I like a slight caveat here. Think about this. You know, the greatest commodity in our day and age no longer is finance. It's no longer land. It's no longer technological development. It's time. Yeah. And if someone gives you their time, whether it's through FaceTime, a coffee day, a lunch day or a dinner meeting, Make sure and honor them with that. So show up on time, bring a gift, and lastly, honor their timeline and um, come prepared. Right. I think the worst thing in meeting with a mentee is like they sit down with you and they're like, okay, what do you want to tell me? I don't know. I'm not a mind reader, honey. Like right. you have to come prepared to this. And so I think that those would be some really simple, easy takeaways in trying to acquire a mentor and then honoring a mentor. Yeah. I mean, so basically... But the bottom line is if you're going to if you want them if you want their input in your life value their time as Absolutely. much as you value their input in your life because that, essentially that's just that's just it yeah, absolutely. Um, why do you think this generation in particular? Why do you think that uh, uh, I mean that was that was just good food for thought anyway for for anybody who's trying to find a mentor. but why do you think this generation in particular uh, suffers from Peter and Petra Pan syndrome. Right? You know? <laughs> 
you know, I don't want to unpack too deep of sociological implications and impacts of the broken family, but let's look back. The greatest generation um, coming out of the 70s and 80s were latchkey kids that are having their own children, aka millennials, and there is this disruption of family. So what would be male mentor models as in in the dad role and the mentor models um, of more of like a maternal role are now fractured. And so our Mm. understanding of what looks, how does conflict resolution happen in a way that doesn't feel threatened, like a relationship's going to end. And so we have a lot of people that don't want to connect Peter Pan and don't want to grow up Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, oh, millennials are intrinsically lazy. We look at the models and we look at parenting as a root cause of this. And like, keep in mind, my generation grew up with participation awards and trophies just for signing up in kids soccer. Um, We were told that our voice matters and we can change the world and we will have impact. And now the generation saying like, why are you guys so arrogant? This hubris is annoying. You think you know it all. Well, in defense of this generation, we have more access to access and technology and the resources in academia and the training that you would have received at the PhD level is now available online and on YouTube. So right. we do have this 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 new sense of nomenclature, this new sense of language and a heightened awareness to what's going on culturally, politically, socially. And it's frustrating. It might grate on the nerves of a different generation. At the same time, I think that uh, – there could be this 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 reciprocity between generations. There could be this mutual respect where we can learn from the experience of those that have gone before us and yet also value the chutzpah and the fight and uh, the cojones of this generation that believes that change is possible. I, I think, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think you're giving, you're giving, putting too much emphasis on the participation trophy thing. Like, I, I, it's just not even something I, 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 I ever think about. Like, I understand the difference between a real award and I grew up with participation trophies too, between get, making the all-star team and getting the participation trophy at the end of the season. I understand the difference between winning, being the number one team, and being the last team and still getting a trophy. Like, there's a, I, I under, intrinsically understand that difference. I, I, I do stand-up comedy, and one of my bits is all about how uh, tired the baby boomer refrains are about the millennial generation because, specifically, so much of what they're complaining about about millennials was exactly what the greatest generation complained about boomers in the 60s like the whole revolution the 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 selfishness of the revolution of the of the social revolution of the 1960s is exactly the same thing that they're saying about millennials now and the irony of that is is not lost on me but it seems to be lost on a lot of baby boomers okay so do you want to spar <laughs> sure Gib, okay, because I love this. I love this. And it's not like I don't agree. I'm just going to give some food for thought in this. Is within the baby boomer generation, the revolution was for freedom and liberty of others and of the other, if we're going to quote bell hooks. Okay, yes and no, but yes. Uh, For argument's sake, I'll accept. Fame and influence, and I want to be insta-famous. And so one is focused on a a, a grant. Granted, we are painting with large brushstrokes. Big ones. One is think- big ones, very big ones. But one is thinking more of in a larger, wider context for the other. And this generation, my generation or our generation, you look so young. I don't know how old you are, but I'm just going to say that you're a millennial. I think for our generation, um, what we're now seeing in sociological studies and also demographic studies is that there's two categories of millennials. And the 
the breaking point isn't age, like an older millennial and a younger millennial. Mm. There's two types of men- millennials that are that are coming to the surface right now. It's the millennials that everyone in public media are talking about. They're lazy. They're late. They want to complain. They got the participation award. The other group of millennials that are coming out are those that are so tired of the negative stereotypes that they are fighting for uh, redeeming the title of millennial. That in fact, um, if we're talking about like work ethic, millennials are the largest demographic in the workforce. And so mm-hmm. we can't say like, oh, millennials are lazy. Uh, they're making up uh, the largest percentage of the workforce. In, in addition to that, this is the only generation or the first generation that has really fought for a side hustle in a way that we haven't seen since the depression. Yeah. We're going out and wanting to be CEOs and entrepreneurs on Etsy or on Uber. And um, so I feel like there's this, uh, and research will prove it, that there is this splitting point of the millennials. And at some point we are going to see like this blending and what happens in 10 years to the millennial classes. But I, I, I I will push back on what the previous generation said about baby boomers because it feels... It feels one was for the greater good and one was for selfish gain. Okay. I'm gonna, but I, go I'll, ahead. I'll, let's, let's put a difference between the social revolution in the 1960s and the civil rights movement in the 1960s because I think those are two different things. Um, so I, I, I'm talking about the self-actualization, you know, free love, hippie movement that, that turned into the yuppie movement of the 80s. That, that thing, <laughs> that the 60s teenagers, the, the, the rock and roll stuff, that had that was not necessarily tied to civil rights uh, or women's rights, but was in my opinion very similar to what's going on right now. And the other thing is, the side hustle thing is, I think more of a criticism of of baby boomers than it is of millennials. Yes, there are a lot of people in this workforce that are not entitled and want to work hard, and there were a lot of people in the 1960s who wanted to work hard. There were also people who wanted to lay around and smoke pot all the time in the 1960s. More power to them. Uh, and and <laughs> and there's a lot of people that want to live off of their parents' money now. I think right. that I think that there are parallels there. But I would also say that the fact that minimum wage has not kept up with inflation, the fact right. that the fact that uh, corporations are cutting uh, the, are cutting the higher end of benefits in order to in their in their in their lower level workers, so we're losing pension and and comprehensive health care uh, mm-hmm. and also competitive wages that have not gone up with inflation uh, with the CPI over the last forty years. Those things force people. To have a side hustle, so I think you know you still have the same division of motivated people, but I think the crit and, and by the way, I think the desire to be insta famous and to call yourself an influencer, what f- for some is a great business, and and they have figured out a way to hack our uh, the modern attention economy and more power to them. But I think that like looking up to that insta famous thing and trying to do that uh, aspirationally is definitely frustrating, and I can see why. Uh, but you know the uh, baby boomers had Polaroids. You know, that must have been irritating to their family. Why why are you putting those janky photos on your wall? And, you know, friends would write little captions on it. It's exactly the same thing as Facebook and Instagram. It just was, you know, it was literally putting photos on your wall instead of a virtual okay, wall. But, but do you see the irony of like the hipsters bringing back like the instant image that actually spits it out and prints it for you? Of course. I just like, no, I, 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 I get the nostalgia. So, it's so hilarious to me. Like we are literally just repeating the previous generation and now we're making it cool. Because it feels so far away. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, but I'm so that's better right now. <laughs> so, like, I mean, even like, even even the um, even like the big movie, The Graduate, right? The representation of baby boomer angst. It's about a guy whose dad wants to get him a job, and he's not sure he wants it, and so he sits around his dad's pool all day, and then and then like and and waffles between dating this girl or her mother. 
that is the that is so unbelievably millennial and that is like the the tome of baby boomer angst that we have the same angst that baby boomers had the irony is that all of a sudden we're this we're this special generation and i do though i do i will say and I, I think maybe it's context, but I, I do feel like there is a more uh, a greater reticence of the millennial generation for a larger percentage than there was previously to embrace adulthood in the same way that that previous. So I, I do want to get back to your actual thesis, but I do think the parallels are striking. And here's the thing. What I will say is that I don't I don't want to say that that's my thesis. I'm saying that given cultural context, given socioeconomic impact for our nation, given the political climate, like there's all these mitigating factors that come in and play a part in this that make that maybe uh, may that might make growing up or adulting feel foreign and hard. And yeah. that's why I, th- then I will go back to the original thesis of why mentoring is important because sometimes right. you need a swift kick in the derriere. Yeah. That's like, come sure. up, buttercup. Life's tough, but so are you. Come on, let's go. Right. And I, that's the message that I want to continue on. Like, hey, you might be one. My daddy used to always say this. He said, if you are not dead, then God is not done. You right. might be like one day, one week, one year away from that. Right. That, that, that job, that relationship, that breakthrough that you are believing for. Mm-hmm. And I see so many people like stuck and walking around in circles just figuring out, I just don't know how to change this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've said this before on the show, on, on this show, is and that is, I think in previous generations, the idea of working for one company for 30 years um, was more reasonable, was more feasible, was more expected you know, in any other path than working for a blue chip company for 30 years and, and collecting a pension was sort of the un, unbeaten path, uh, the unworn path. And and I think that that though the option to work for a company for 30 years and collect retirement is really kind of gone now for for our generation. Right. Um, and built in baked into and then there's pros and cons to it, but baked into the 30 year company thing was a trajectory, a timeline and a built in hierarchy and mentorship structure that we kind of don't have anymore. And so to your point, like, how do you start that? How do you start reaching out and finding the mentor? Because bosses used to be. There used to be a progression and you would rise with people around you. And that's kind of gone. Yeah, I I, I have to agree. I have to agree. Um, One thing that you talk about a lot and that we've kind of hit on a little bit that I that I really do want to explore. uh, And that and I I believe this wholeheartedly. I think that social media relationships um, have actually tainted and and undermined our real relationships. Um, and it, it's good for some things. I'm not. I, I don't want to knock down social media completely, but I do think that we have we have swapped one for the other in a lot of ways, and I think it's to our detriment. Uh, how 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 do we un, undo that? First of all, do you agree with me that it's to our detriment, and and how do we undo that? Well, here's the thing. We've had so much fun sparring. I feel like disagreeing with you just to be up here. <laughs> I actually have to say, I agree with you in that. And I, like you, I don't want to throw a baby out with the bathwater. I stay super close and connected with my best friends and mm-hmm. watching their Instagram stories and right. posts makes me feel like I'm part of their everyday life. Right. So for that, I'm super grateful. In addition to that, I've connected with some really awesome people that otherwise would have never connected with had it not been for social mm-hmm. media. I think the downfall in that is this pseudo sense of connection with people and also this voyeurism that is occurring. Right. In addition to that, which is kind of like in the, the ugly dark side is that we can begin to hate our life 
by watching other people's. And we right. might actually enjoy our day, enjoy our life, enjoy our right. outfit. So we see that guy, that girl, them, they, those, whose life just seems so picture perfect and so mm-hmm. Instagrammable. And here I am at my desk, nine to five, with an outfit that I thought was cute. And now I'm looking at this girl who's, you know, hashtag instant famous, hashtag model, hashtag vintage shopper. And all of a sudden I just, I hate it. Please stop saying hashtag. <laughs> oh, but you know, but here's the thing. It's the truth. And you know, those people who are so thirsty because they have like 50 hashtags. Like yes. that's the person I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm with so, you. Yeah. And so uh, for that, I think it's dangerous. Now, because I believe there's so much good in it and because I know that the dangers of it, I think we have to set boundaries on mm-hmm. social media. And so, of course, like that, the blessed curse of now Apple's iPhone giving you digital countdowns of how much time you spent on each Right, app. right, which I think is really stuff. great. Like, oh my gosh, I'm wasting so much time. Do you know how many books I could read instead right. of being on my dang phone? Okay, so I think How many books could you extra. write? How oh, many books could you write? Listen, don't get my agent riled up. Okay, <laughs> I mean, we don't need that right now. No, but I, I know I completely agree. Like, I would be so much more efficacious if I just was off the phone. At the same right. time, again, I, I, I love it for its connectability and people I get to meet. That being said, it's setting boundaries as far as time. But the big thing is, is putting the phone down and actually connecting with someone. So I'm okay with digital relationships. I'm okay with staying in contact with friends who live in faraway places. Like my best friend, Melanie, she travels with a world famous pop star she travels so much so i get to stay connected with her because of social media but four three to four times a year we fight to fly somewhere anywhere to be together so our relationship is real right right that's important i mean like so i i agree with you that 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 the meeting up to uh to rekindle the friendships and the and the and the real intimacy like the the actual human contact is the most is is so important because i think for me i find that i have this this like weird void where i see people online but if mm-hmm. i never connect with them in person i never actually fulfill that thing that i was made for that that human exactly. interaction that i need that connection it's that that and I, my husband and i were in greece um about a year ago and here is this man in the countryside of mykonos and he's dancing and he's pouring grappa for us and he he grabs my hand and at first i thought it was a little inappropriate but i realized like culturally he said no in his broken english hand to hand eye to eye chest to chest and he came in for a gentle not like a weird creeper hug <laughs> but a gentle hug and he said we must touch and it hit me that that's what we all want. Yes. We must take it from offline into real life, right. IRL, and sit down across from someone over a cup of coffee, over a glass of champagne, to cheers life, to process pain, and move from there. Right. I mean, I, 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 I have this group of guys. I've talked about this on the show before, too. I have this group of guys that I grew up with. I mean, kindergarten, high school, these are these are like brothers. Um, and we we love baseball. We watch every Dodger game uh, and we are texting with this big group chat and it's great and it keeps me connected to them and it's a great way that we I can use modern technology to stay up with these guys that I don't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily have otherwise but one of the things we do is we get together on New Year's Eve we get together and get yep. dinner a couple times a year yeah um, so it's it's really a way of staying connected but it's it's not we don't we can't use it to replace the real connection I think that's where we get really dangerous I think a lot of people, have used social media connection 
to replace that, you know, hand to hand, eye to eye, chest to chest thing you were just talking about. And yeah. I think that's where, for me anyway, that's where it gets dangerous. I mean, you've written the book on it, not me, but that's that's my that's my two cents. <laughs> and it's one section of three because I feel like there isn't like there's some books that are out there and they are like the supreme go-to book on this one particular thing. And I just feel like if I can create a handbook or a playbook for someone that's like, listen, as you're navigating this pivot point in life, here are a couple things that you might face. Here's some language and nomenclature. In fact, I know when I'm out of my depths, let me introduce you to Dr. Deb. She's a friend of mine who's a clinical therapist and a psychologist Mm -hmm. who weighs in on some tough topics from like death to grief to online stalking to anxiety and depression. She chirps in on each of these chapters and she dusts it with this amazing um, wisdom. I call it her fairy dust to make just to bring a different vibe, uh, a je ne sais quoi from a trained perspective on how to deal with capital T trauma and lowercase t trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think we I think a lot more of us have lowercase t trauma than we even realize. But these microaggressions really affect our life. If we don't do. pause and say, wait a minute, this is like, yeah, sure, it's like a little fender bender, but con- continual fender benders will make right. big impacts to our, okay, this metaphor is going way too far, but to our, <laughs> you know, the body of the car. Right, 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 um, right. But um, if and do inventory and say, hey, I'm not okay, and then have someone say, it's okay to not be okay. Let's give you pro- let's give you language and let's process about how we can survive this really sucky season. Yeah. I, I know your time is valuable, and, and I know you have to go, and this has been a fantastic conversation. We'd love to have you back again, uh, I, because I, I I think we should just debate. You and I could do like a series right? of Here's debates. Right, something. Of... I don't think, in the words of Beyonce, you can handle the jelly that I have, okay? <laughs> so, you better come ready with them boxing gloves, okay, brother? Because oh, I was a college a debate champion. I got you. Come on, I, let's go. <laughs> I, will, I will argue about stuff that I agree with. Um, our guest, Bianca Olthoff, the new book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck, link to where to buy it in the show notes. Before I let you go, Bianca, where can people follow up aside from buying the book, which we obviously want you all to do, and I think it's worth it, uh, where, where do people follow up with you? Absolutely. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Bianca Olthoff, that's O-L-T-H-O-F-F, and also at BiancaOltoff.com. Links to her website and the social media accounts she just mentioned in the show notes as well. And lastly, One thing I try to ask every single person uh, on the show, what is one thing that people can start doing today that will make their lives a whole lot better? Don't give up. I feel like the entire world is shouting at you that you are not enough, you won't be enough, and you'll never have enough. And yet I believe that if we put one foot in front of the other, we get up out of bed and we continue to fight this fight that we are called to, we will see a change in our life. So don't Mm. give up. That's beautiful. Bianca Oltoff, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, kid. How to have your life not be bad. You can't say it. You can't say it. It's so funny. Well, there's that, there, there was a thing that, you know, Mark Manson, I think you interviewed him, uh, The Art of Not Giving an F. Yes, and I we've mean, also had Gary John Bishop, who has Un-F Your Life. Yeah. And, uh, what is it? They, stop they, doing that S. I think the prop, the, 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 uh, the uh, publishers get it and they say, hey, you got to have I a bad word. I think there's so much noise out yeah, there yeah, you're right. that these yeah, words right. help people uh, rise right. above the noise. And it's also, you know, honestly... On the air, we don't talk like this, but it's how a lot of people talk in their in their regular life. So I think that's why it is. Obviously, Bianca is a phenomenal person who does not use that language very often. 
or at all, and at least in the interview. You got so. you guys. You got to share this, and you got to. You just got to plug people into this podcast because. I just don't think you're going to have to go to college. You know, save, <laughs> save the money. Listen, to, listen to Gibbs interviews, and you'll and you will. I'll I'll send you your degree. You're the speakers love it. and authors have been very good, and they are very smart people. So that's it for our show today. And like John said, please do share this with somebody. Rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It makes a big difference for us. If you would like to follow up with us, please go to Facebook.com/slash John Tesh. It's where we spend the most time. We go live. We have conversations there with our fans as much as possible. Also, John's on Twitter at John Tesh on Twitter uh, at John Tesh underscore IFL. On Instagram, I'm Gib Gerard. Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. At Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, more than anything else, I try to respond to every DM or comment or any suggestions you have for who you who, who want on the show. And I do that because we can't do the show without you because we do the show for you because you guys are the listeners. So more than anything else, guys, thank you so much for listening. What? What? You didn't, you didn't hit the post. I, well, you know, you, it's... it's what? We did, okay. Yeah. Do you want, we want to, a, I scout, you want to, a scout is trustworthy, loyal, loyal helpful, helpful, kind, kind of, yeah, 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 yeah,